announcements in there that we want to make you aware of. Two that I want to draw to your attention this morning. Uh, the first one is the kids camp uh, that's going to be happening. Uh, there the last full week in June. You probably received a card that looks very similar to this um, on your way in this morning. I hope you did. If you did not, there are several for you. Um, this is our big uh, everybody all in event. We're going to need your help with that. We're having the uh, small or the uh, kids camp celebration kickoff next Sunday after church. And uh, so plan to be here for that and uh, participate in that. Uh, Kids Camp 2011 is the way, and uh, we're, we're getting all geared up and really excited about it, and it will be here before we know it, and then it will be over before we know it, and that's maybe what we're really excited about, is having it uh, completed again, so uh, just take note of that. The other thing that I wanted to bring to your attention um, are cards like this. They are on the back uh, connect table, and uh, the reason I point this out is because uh, it gives you all the information you need and also an opportunity to invite someone to our Easter uh, weekend services. Uh, we have uh, three services there on, on Easter weekend, a Friday night service, or Good Friday service, at uh, 7 o'clock, and then two services on Easter Sunday morning, one at 9, and I'm telling all of you at 10. It's going to start at 10 for all of you seated in here today, because we debated on just not telling you, and just planning it to be 10.15, and just telling you it was 10, so that everybody would be here, but we decided to be, you know transparent with you and tell you that we're really going to try to start at 10.15, but I'm going to encourage all of you to plan to be here at 10 so that you're here by 10.15. Make sense what I'm saying? Okay, so there you go. Lots of other announcements in there, and uh, it, be, be sure and take note of those um, as, you, as they apply to you. Um, I invite you also to grab your Bibles or your mobile phone or the Blue Bible in front of you and, and turn to page uh, number 748 if you grab the Blue Bible. In your Bible, I don't know what page it's going to be, as you turn to, uh, to Luke chapter 23 where we're going to find ourselves this morning for a, a brief moment, and we're going to jump to another passage of Scripture. Um, Luke chapter 23, we're in week two of our series uh, titled Red Letter Day, and a red letter day is simply uh, a memorable or a noteworthy day. And our objective through this series, as we're gearing up toward Easter, is to look at some of the sayings of Jesus on the cross and, and how they apply to us and, and what difference it can make in our life. And, and today we're actually going to look at the first words that Chronologically speaking, Jesus spoke while hanging on the cross, and, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go through that. Uh, before we do that, we need to remember and set the stage for what's happened to this point. Remember what has happened to Jesus. We're not going to go into a lot of detail, but uh, he was, he'd been humiliated, he'd been spit on, uh, he'd been beat in the face with uh, the large signet rings by the Roman soldiers, he'd been beaten with rods, he had a crown of thorns thrust down on his, on his head. Uh, his back had been uh, whipped with the cat of nine tails, the 39 lashes with that. And so Jesus endured all this physical anguish uh, before going to the cross, before hanging on the cross. And, and now that he's on the cross and he says these things and all this has got to be going on. And not only, I think, was there physical anguish, but there had to be a lot of mental anguish as well. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus carries his cross and he gets help carrying the cross, and they go and they crucify him on, on the place of the skull. And on each side of Jesus, they crucified a criminal. And you've seen the pictures, right, of the three crosses with Jesus as being a little higher. That's probably what we do to it, maybe not the way it really was. But the one on his right and one on his, on his left, it, it fulfills prophecy. And, and why did they do that? I've always found it interesting that they crucified Jesus with two criminals that were known criminals, as if to say... This person in the middle, he's as guilty as the two on the outside. And so they're all in this together. They all deserve the same punishment. And so they're 
crucifying Jesus there with the two criminals. And Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and, and he, he has all this pain that he's endured and suffered, and, and the Roman soldiers had inflicted all this pain. And Jesus looks out upon those people, and he looks at the scribes and the Pharisees, as we you know, talked about last week. They're, they're calling out to him, hey, can you save yourself? Are you really trusting God now? And all these people that were, were causing him so much pain and, and so much misery. And, and he says these words, which really changed everything. And I think it changes everything for us. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. It may be more familiar for you to say, to hear it said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, right? I don't know about you, but as I was thinking about this, had this been me at this point, I don't know that I would have been real forgiving. I would have been like, hey God, get them, right? God, let's take care of them. Let's, let's get them. They've inflicted a lot of stuff on me. They probably deserve a little bit too, right? And so I'd be not so nice. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And, and as I was thinking through this whole idea of forgiveness, it's, it's something I think we all wrestle with. I, I've yet to meet anyone who doesn't have someone in their life that they probably need to forgive. In life, it's just inevitable that we're going to have disagreements and conflict and we're going to have things that don't always go our way, and, and we're going to be at odds with other people. And as a result, we probably need to receive forgiveness. We probably need to extend forgiveness, right? We probably need to do both of those things in different areas. And, and there's things that, that we need to do in that. Maybe for you, it's with your spouse. You had an argument, and you really never put it to rest. It happened maybe weeks or months ago, and you're still harboring it. Maybe you need to seek forgiveness or offer forgiveness. Maybe it's something that happened at work and you're holding a grudge. You can't seem to let it go. Maybe it's a you know, family member, a friend, a neighbor, uh, something that, that's going on. Maybe it's even somebody at church, something that happened at church. Who is it today that you need to forgive? Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. Who do we need to say, you know, God, forgive them. I don't want you to miss this this morning. This message applies to you. It applies to me. It applies to all of us because... I think we all struggle in this area of forgiveness. Because not only do we need to receive forgiveness, we probably are harboring and we need to extend forgiveness. These were the words of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. And, and these were prophecy that was predicted 700 years before Christ by the prophet Isaiah. Read the words in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, For He bore the sins of many and made intercession for, their, for the transgressors. What's intercession? It's a you know, big church word. It simply means a prayer. Jesus offered a prayer. Jesus is praying to God the Father, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You may be praying for someone who's far from God. Is anybody praying for someone that's far from God? I hope you are. You ever get frustrated and discouraged? I know I do. But can I encourage you like I've been encouraged and like I feel like the Scripture tells us to continue to pray for them that they would seek God and seek that forgiveness to never give up on those who are far from God because as Jesus looked down from the cross, there were people who were far from a relationship with God and what did Jesus cry out to, them, to God on their behalf? Father, forgive them. Jesus wanted them to receive forgiveness. And yet these words... They're more than just a prayer. They were, as I said, fulfilling that prophecy. And it changed everything when it came to forgiveness. There's a couple things in your bulletin I invite you to write down. Here's the first one. Before Christ, I think the normal 
response whenever we're offended would be something like this. You owe me, and justice is mine. Right? Before Christ, doesn't that make sense in the world, in life, that, that we think you owe me and justice is mine? I can handle this. I can take vengeance. I can do this. It's kind of scriptural. You know, we can play that card too. If you go back to the Old Testament, um, in Exodus chapter 21, verses 23 through 25, the scripture says this. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. How many of you heard that before? Right? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Basically, you hurt me, I'm going to get you back. Right? And how often do we still do that today? Someone hurts us and our first response is what? I'm going to get them. We get ticked off. We get angry. We get even. We want them to know what they've done. We want them to hurt maybe just a little more than we did, right? That's our response. We want them to pay for what they did. Why? Because we're innocent. Oh, I was an innocent bystander in this. I've done nothing wrong, right? That's what we convince ourselves of. And so we say, justice is mine. You owe me. And yet, when we come to understand what Jesus has done for us, and whenever we come to understand that we too are in need of forgiveness, maybe our, our after-Christ response is this, God forgave me, so I'll forgive you. I invite you to write that down as well. God forgave me, and so I'll forgive you. Jesus taught this during His ministry on earth. He, he was teaching His disciples how to pray. And you remember the Lord's Prayer in the middle of that, in, in verse 12, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, Jesus took this whole idea of forgiveness to another level. He said, it's not really anymore about eye for eye and tooth for tooth. It's, I forgive you because God has forgiven me. That's how we are to act. You see, forgiveness simply means to pardon or to cancel the debt. It's, it's to remove it. It's, it's to, to wipe it away. And, and forgiveness can fall into two categories. It's something we receive. It's something that we're grateful for. It's something that we know we need. And it's also something that we give. And I don't know about you, but for me, that giving part's the hard part, right? We want to receive it. Man, it's so much harder to give it. And so today, I want to spend just a few moments breaking down God's Word and, and just asking a few questions that maybe we can find the answer to. That questions like, well, why do I need to forgive? What do I need to forgive? How often do I need to forgive? Do I need to forgive even if they've wronged me in a big way? How often do I need to forgive people, right? Isn't that what we want to know? And so, what does the Scripture have to say about this? I don't want us to miss the fact that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the central focus of what He was doing was offering forgiveness. And that we too need to be offering forgiveness as well. Jesus set the stage for all of us to follow that we need to extend forgiveness I want to illustrate our, both our need to receive forgiveness and our need to offer forgiveness this morning by looking at Matthew chapter 18. I invite you to turn over there in your Bibles to, to Matthew chapter 18. Again, if you have a blue Bible, it's page uh, 695 there. And uh, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be looking at verse 21 here in just a moment. Jesus tells this parable that, that we're going to read. And at the beginning of this section, if you were to go to the top of, of chapter 18, um, you would find that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, is probably contemplating what's going on. Contemplating what Jesus had already been talking about. Because Jesus had just finished going through this thing on how should we react and what should we do when people or when someone wrongs you. And so Peter, who's 
a pretty good guy and a guy that we really like. Why? Because Peter just kind of says what he thinks, right? And you don't have to wonder what Peter's thinking because he'll just tell you. And he says this in verse 21. He goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother whenever he sinned against me? Up to seven times, right? Can you just see Peter doing that? Okay, Jesus, you're talking about this forgiveness thing, so how many times should I forgive him? Seven? Seven's a good number, right? Seven's a great number. You know, it's more than once or twice, but not a whole lot, so seven. Seems like a good balanced number. Maybe Peter's thinking about some time that he, you know, forgave somebody or just kind of let it go, or maybe he's thinking about, John, I'm going to get you, and I just want to know when, right? I just need to know when Jesus is going to give me permission to deck you, because you really, you know, hack me off sometimes. I look at Jesus' response. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Other versions say 70 times seven. So if Jesus really said 70 times seven, you can see Peter kind of going, okay, maybe he reaches down and gets a rock or starts drawing in the, in the dirt, right, to figure out to do the math. And you've got Matthew, the tax collector, going, dude, that's 490, right? Just get there, okay? And, and so how many times, and, and really before I think they can really process what Jesus had just said, he, he goes into this parable. Look at verse 23 of Matthew 18. Therefore, and what do you do anytime you see a therefore? You ask, what's it there for? What's it there for? What is he, what's Jesus been talking about? He's been, he's been talking about in light of how you are to handle it when people wrong you, right? That's what he talked about in the first part of chapter 18. And then he says 70 times 7 or 77 times, your choice, I don't care, pick a number. He says the, these words, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And, and 10,000 talents was quite a bit of money, a million dollar, millions of dollars in that economy. It's a huge, massive debt. And kind of what we see here is Jesus goes to the extreme to make a point. And look at verse 25. He says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. You see, at this point in society, it was lawful that if you couldn't pay your debt, then you and or your family could be sold into slavery. They could sell you and, and throw you into prison until your debt was paid. It wasn't that you had collateral, you were the collateral. And so that's what they did. They would take you and then throw you in prison. And so this servant does what a lot of us would probably do if we were in this person's shoes. Look at verse 26. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And, and if I were to put myself in that position, I, I would have been doing that too. Falling on your knees, falling down, begging. And, and this you can almost hear the emotion that this person, he's pleading. Hey, don't do this. Please don't do this to me. Don't do this to my family. I'll, I'll pay it back. Just give me time. Be patient with me. And his call to the master had an impact. Look at verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, how amazing is that, right? Imagine China saying to the United States, ah, forget it, we're good, right? Not going to happen, right? But that's kind of what happens here. There's this massive debt that this guy owes his master, and his master says, it's done. Forget it. A debt that would have taken a lifetime for this guy to repay, it's canceled, it's pardoned, it's forgiven, it's, it's just gone. So, who are the characters in this story? Well, we'll find out a little bit later, but let's go ahead and, and get it in our mind as we're going through this. Uh, the characters in the story, who does the, the king and the master represent? Anyone? Not a trick question. God, alright? And then, who does the servant represent? Again, not a quick trick question, the answer is? 
us, right? So we've got God in the story, and we're in the story. We are the servants. God is the master. And there's a couple of lessons, I think, that we can learn from this story of the forgiven servant. I invite you to write these down. The first one is this. The debtor cannot always repay you. Do you know that? You know that, even if you're not willing to know that, that the the debtor can't always repay you. Look at verse 24 again. It says, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Scholars estimate that in today's economy, it would be billions of dollars. And in verse 25, he, he couldn't pay it back. He wasn't able to do what he said he was going to be able to do. He wasn't able to pay back what he owed, and so he was going to be thrown in prison. And oftentimes in our life, the debtor can't repay you. The, debt, the debtor may be someone in your life that you've shared something with in confidence and they've told people. You may have shared something with them and what they do, they just went ahead and put it on Facebook for the whole world to see, right? The debtor could be that, that they've done something to you and, and they just can't take it back. It, it may be for you, it, it's an argument with your spouse and you said something that you wish you could take back or they said something that wounded you You can't go back in time. You can't rewind the clock. You just can't take those things back. Maybe, maybe, and I know it's true in in a few situations, and and maybe more than even I know, but but maybe they they took the life of a loved one. And they can't give that back. They've wronged you, and they can't take it back. It's hard to understand, but we need to realize that the debtor can't always repay you. They can't pay you back. They can't take those words back. They can't take the actions back. They can't take the deeds back. It's out there. It's happened. And so the question is, what are we going to do? The person who offended you, what could they do to make it right? I, I know that I've asked people that question whenever they talk about how someone has wronged them and they're struggling with forgiveness. And I just have to ask the question, what could they do to make it right for you? And too often the answer to that question is the same. Nothing. There's truly nothing they, the other person could do. We want them to pay, don't we? I mean, that's, that's the irony of it. We want them to pay. We want them to suffer. We want them to go through the same thing we have. But, and yet, can they ever truly repay that? The reality is there's nothing they can truly do. In light of that, I think there's a second lesson we need to learn from this part of the story. The offended can always show mercy. The offended can always show mercy. Look at verse 27 again. It says, The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. If we've been offended, we can always show mercy. Um, Something that I I found very interesting when it comes to this idea of forgiveness is, is oftentimes the person who has offended you isn't even aware that they have offended you. You know what I'm talking about? The person who has wronged you maybe isn't even aware that they have wronged you, and they're just kind of oblivious to the offense. I don't know if that's ever been the case with you, but it was for me just a few weeks ago. After church, someone came up to me and said, hey, did you know that such and such is really upset with you because you're avoiding them? And I'm like, what? Well, I'm not doing it on purpose. You know, and you have to you know, check yourself and go, am I? No, no. I'm not avoiding this person on purpose. I, I didn't mean to. I, I didn't realize I'd offended this person, so what do I do? Hey, how's it going? We good? Oh yeah, we're good, right? You don't often know sometimes when you have offended someone. Now, there are times that we do know. 
And what do we do about that? There are times that we know we've offended someone, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But the reality of the situation is there are times that we need to understand that that person that we're angry with and that person we feel like we have some that, you know, just not right, they may not be aware that it's really even going on. Maybe it's with your kids and they're on a team or something and you really don't feel like your kid's getting fair treatment. And so what do we do? We get mad at the coach, don't we? We send off emails to other parents complaining about playing time or this and that and the other, right? We get in the stands and we, right? And the coach is just doing his best or her best to try to do their best to, you know, to do, because you all want him to win or want her to win and yet you want your kid to, okay, how does that person win, right? They're not aware that they've offended you. Maybe for you, maybe you didn't get invited to that baby shower or maybe you didn't get that Christmas card, you didn't get invited to go watch the game or you didn't get invited to that party or whatever and as a result of that, you're just kind of mad, you're just kind of twisted, you're just kind of angry and you're just like, you know what, I don't care, I don't need them. Right? And we just kind of put up that little wall and we just kind of get offended and we just kind of walk around with that and the other person maybe isn't even aware of what they've done. They don't know they've offended you and something's come up and they don't understand it. They think there's something wrong with you and you think, well, they should know, right? Don't we play that game? What do we do? What we need to understand in that is whenever we are harboring that resentment toward that other person, do you know who it hurts? It hurts you. You're the one that suffers through that. You're the one that struggles through that. And it's really only half the story. There's a lot more to it. So to steal a line from Paul Harvey, let's look at the rest of the story. So the servant has just been forgiven this tremendous debt. And he's a free man financially. You know, he maybe doesn't have, no, he no longer has a mortgage payment or doesn't have to pay his property taxes. I mean, that'd be huge, wouldn't it? You don't have that debt anymore. He's, he's a free guy walking around. Everything is paid off. And that's what's going on with this guy. Look at what happens in verse 28. It says, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a few dollars, about a thousand dollars in today's economy. And compare that to the billions in today's economy that the first guy owed, okay? He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, what's up with that, right? Where did he just come from? That's right. Everything's free and clear. And what does he do? Chokes this guy. What? Man, this guy couldn't repay either. So his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Sound familiar? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. What? Remember, Jesus is telling this story to make a point, right? The story goes that the king, the master, finds out what this servant had done. And look at what the text says in verse 32. It says, then the master called his servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And everybody goes, that's right. That's justice. That's what he deserved, right? Isn't that what we do? And I like the story up until that point. That's a good story, right? Hollywood ending, bad guy gets what he deserves. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What? God being harsh? Surely God wouldn't do such a thing, would He? God wouldn't really treat us that way, would He? 
I think one of the reasons Jesus makes this point, and he says it the way he does, is because God knows that the consequences for our unforgiveness is huge. You see, I want to suggest to you that unforgiveness puts us in a prison. Unforgiveness puts us in a prison. Whenever we fail to forgive someone else, it puts us in a prison. I've heard it described as, if you're not willing to forgive someone, it's like sipping poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what we do when we harbor unforgiveness in our life. It puts us in prison. Let's get personal for just a minute. Where are you? Are you in a prison of sorts? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Have you had it in your heart for so long that you just kind of learned how to live with it? You just kind of dealt with it? You, you feel like you can compartmentalize it? You, maybe you get anger and you don't understand why. Maybe you're not always joyful. Maybe there's something going on in your life. And, and maybe it is just that you haven't forgiven. You see, unforgiveness is, is one of those things that, that we don't want uh, to have in our life, and yet we don't really want to forgive that other person. Why? Because if we forgive that other person, in our mind, we let them off the hook. We remove the debt that they owe to us. But what we need to understand is that forgiveness benefits the one who offers the forgiveness. It benefits us. Forgiveness unlocks that prison door that we're in and we're set free and we can escape. I understand that as we talk about this issue of forgiveness, that there's a lot of things that, that many of you have gone through and several of you have, have shared some pretty major things in your life that, that you've gone through that, that you are, you're really struggling with and some things that are, that are really big in your life. And, and I've had the question asked of me, so, so what do I do when the offense is just too big, right? They've wronged me in a huge way. I've had people say, but Craig, you do not understand what I have gone through or what I am going through. And you're right, I don't understand it, and yet God's Word is the same. What do we do whenever the offense seems to be so great that we don't feel like we can forgive that person? Maybe it was a parent who came home drunk all the time and said all kinds of abusive things. Maybe you got married and you said for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, and then the spouse had an affair and ran off with someone else. Maybe someone in your family was killed and you can rightfully say, that's not right and they deserve punishment. And yet, you're not offering forgiveness. And I've had people say, but you don't understand how that's affected me. You do not understand how that's affected my family. And you're right. I sit across the desk or across the room from people and go, you're right, I do not understand. And yet, God does. You see, we have an opportunity to offer forgiveness. How do you do that? Well, I have to tell you, it's not easy. And I'm not going to tell you some three-point step and some prayer. If you repeat it after me, it's all going to be better. And you're walking out of here going, woo, I feel better. Right? I don't know that. I don't have that solution. But I do know what God's Word says. I think that if we will begin to see how much our Heavenly Father loves us, when we begin to see that Christ gave up Himself because of His great love for us, that He hung there on the cross, that He endured all that pain and he, he took on all of our sin and, and all that, that was we can't even hardly imagine. And he did that because of his love for you and for me. And he did that because he wants a relationship with us. He did that because he wants us to enter into that adventure with him as we go through our life. And if we can get our eyes on the fact that, that God's great love for us is greater than any offense, then, then we have to understand that he is there for us no matter what we're going through. Jesus' love is greater than any offense that, that we could ever endure. 
And I know that may sound simplistic, and I know it's not just real easy to go, oh, that makes it perfectly clear. Thank you so much. And yet it's true. And we have to allow the truth of God's Word to penetrate our heart and penetrate our soul, and we have to be willing to, to let it change our lives. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I don't like that verse either. And yet God's Word is, is true. And as, as hard as forgiveness may be at times, forgiveness is a choice that we can make. And when we're offended, we need to choose to forgive. We need to choose to, to offer that person forgiveness and, and maybe even love because of Christ's love for us. I know that oftentimes in life, whenever we're offended, whenever things go wrong, we try to forget it. We, we try to manage it. We, we try to, to push it as far away from us as we can. But, but my challenge to you today is to maybe go somewhere in your heart that maybe you've tried to avoid. I want to challenge you to remember the offense. Remember the person who has offended you and take a step toward forgiveness. Because when Jesus was hanging there on the cross, He prayed, Father, forgive them. And that's a step we all need to take. It's a step we all need to take to, to say to that person, God, I pray that You would forgive them and, and God, I pray that You would help me forgive them. And, and God can come into your heart and come into your life and He, he, can, he can do things. He can do things in your heart and your life that can, that can release yourself from that prison that God wants to set you free from that prison. He wants to do that for you, but it starts with a choice that we all must make, a choice that we're going to step toward forgiveness. We're going to extend forgiveness. And I've had people, as I've shared this with them, tell me, you know what, that's impossible. I will never forgive that person. It's impossible to do that. And I just have to say, what's impossible with man is possible with God. God can do this in your heart and in your life if you'll allow Him to. And here's what I want you to understand. It's something that I struggle with as well. I need to understand that prayer, when we pray, it doesn't always change the other person. But prayer will change me. Prayer will change you. God wants to start in your heart, in your life, in your world to set you free so that you can extend that forgiveness. And forgiveness is not an easy topic to talk about and yeah, it's great whenever we think about how much God loves us and how much we receive that forgiveness, but it's a totally new ballgame whenever we start talking about forgiving other people. And I think that, that we all need to take a step in that direction. And I think we need to, to truly forgive. And if we will, uh, I think we'll receive and, and we'll understand this freedom maybe like we never have before. We're going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to invite you to pray. And I'm, I'm going to walk us through a couple things this morning. So, so let's pray. If you would... Uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. Not that you have to pray that way, but for the sake of what we're doing this morning, I invite you to, to pray in that way this morning. Let's pray. God, I ask you right now, if you would please just flood into our hearts and flood into our minds and, and, and be with everyone who's listening to my voice right now, Father, that you would, you would help them to feel your presence as we submit ourselves to you, Father. And with your eyes closed and your heads continue to be bowed, I want you to do something, I ask you to do something this morning that, that might be difficult. I want you to, to picture that person who has greatly offended you. And even though you may not be able to pray 
to forgive that person right now. It's my prayer that you would take a step toward unlocking that prison that you're in so that you can be released. Because you're the one that's suffering through this deed. God wants to set you free. Maybe you can pray that God would work in your life to forgive that person. That you would forgive that person. That they would seek God's forgiveness as well. God, I I want to pray for every person this morning. Father, as they're thinking about that person who has offended them, God, that, that by Your power and by Your Spirit that we would we would choose to forgive today, Father. God, that we would take that step. We would, because of Your Word, even though we don't feel like it, but Your Word, the truth of Your Word tells us because of what You did for us that we, too, need to extend forgiveness to others. Thank You for Your example, Father, of forgiveness. Help us to forgive as well. God, I pray that You would do something in each and every one of our hearts that We've been unable to do, God. We've been unable to forgive, and yet we know that through You, You can work in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives, and can make a huge impact. God, we thank You that You're willing to work through us. We thank You that that You can forgive us. Father, I pray that, that we would extend that forgiveness to others today. Thank You, God, that You hear our prayer. Thank you, God, that you're able to do what we cannot. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Maybe for you today, what you need to do first, the the most important thing you could do is to receive God's forgiveness in your life. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior and and receive him and and understand what it means to to have that relationship and go on that adventure with God for the first time and, and to have his forgiveness in your heart. You see, we all have this debt that we cannot pay. A sin debt to God. And God says, you know what, I know you can't and I'm going to provide my son as a sacrifice for you so that you can come to me and he's paid it for us and he simply asked that we receive it from him. And that's our invitation to you today. To receive his forgiveness. Why not make today a red letter day, that memorable, noteworthy day in your life where you've received His forgiveness. We'd love to talk to you about that. Or maybe the little exercise we just went through, what you did was you just bowed your head and closed your eyes and were like, nope, nope, nope. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to pray with you about that. I'd love to be able to share in that. It's sometimes really hard to share with people and what they're going through because we're going through a lot because life just throws these curveballs like we talked about last week and it's just hard sometimes. But can I tell you one of the beautiful things is that we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to walk through this alone and and maybe this morning as we stand and sing here in just a moment, you really don't want to make your way over to the cross. Maybe what you need to do is just gather a couple people around you and just pray. You don't have to tell them anything. Just, hey, can we pray? And just join together and pray. Maybe you need to find someone in this auditorium this morning and go up to them and say, hey, I'm sorry. You maybe don't even know, but... And just share. And just talk and restore that relationship and offer forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. Do what we've talked about here this morning. 
this invitation time is kind of multifaceted. If you want to talk to somebody, we invite you to make your way over to the cross. We'll meet you there. If you need to talk to somebody around you, we invite you to do that. If you need to go find somebody, we invite you to do that. Don't let this opportunity pass you by to extend and receive forgiveness that we all so desperately need. Stand with me. I invite you to sing as uh, Ian and, and Ethel lead us in this invitation song.